I should re-listen our last year's episode about New Year's, you know, New Year plans and everything, because it might be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> if you care about learning and learning better and building any level of expertise at anything, you should really uh, read Peak. Hello, I'm Radek. I'm Michael. And this is the podcast. A sounding board for interesting ideas and insights. We discuss books we read and want to share with you. As well as technology and productivity, which is what we do by day, working on our app, Nosby. Or whatever else comes to mind. So we are after the two, week, uh, two weeks off, around Christmas, New Year, all that stuff. We're back refreshed and uh, back to discussing books, I suppose. Yeah, because um, what we did want to do to discuss uh, were our plans for next year, for 2017, for this year already. Mm -hmm. uh, but I insisted, I mean, you insisted on me uh, reading the book Peak. And I then, and after I read the book, I insisted on, on first talking about this book because it is, it's one of these I mean, for me, at least, it's one of these groundbreaking books uh, that um, helps me um, define my my work, my goals in a different, in a, in a little bit different way than than before. So, so th that's why that's why I thought let's try to uh, distill the book and and explain the concepts of behind the book peak, mm -hmm. um, and and then next time proceed to uh, our like to to discussing our goals and things like that. Wow, that's that's really cool. I, I didn't think the book would impress you that much. Uh, I mean, I I really enjoyed it. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's just a matter of uh, previous exposure. Some of these concepts already, you know, were already seeded in my mind from other books I read this and and last year. I mean, last and two years ago. Still can't believe it's twenty seventeen. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, I I agree. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, to me, also one of the more important goals for 2017 is related to to, to stuff that that the book really hit home for me. Yeah, so um, it's it's not that uh, this book was so revolutionary, but it's I think uh, when we read books, some like, books are compilation of uh, compilations of ideas, mm -hmm. and and very often you know mashups from ideas from different books that we've already read. But some mashups are just have the, just the right mix that you know hits home. Yeah. And and for me, like I've I've heard. I mean, the, the author of the book was referring to many books that I've read. So I've heard yeah, these bits and pieces. But it's the right you know it's the right uh, mix mashup. And for me, uh, the, the same thing was with essentialism. And essentialism wasn't really mm. groundbreaking, but it just it just hit hit home where you know in in my case and and the same thing happened here with 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 this book yeah i agree this is something a lot of people don't appreciate about this kind of a book this genre of a book uh that it's it's not just about giving you novel ideas you've never heard about it's it's more about mm, seeding your your mind with 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 ideas that you know are there somewhere but you've you've you haven't truly internalized them, maybe, or you haven't truly uh, realized before how important they are to you. Like, I don't know, we've, we've discussed deep work and referenced it many times. Like, oh, you should really focus while working. Like, big deal. Like, I already exactly. knew that. But 
just having just having an idea in your mind like knowing about something and really internalizing it are two very different things uh, which is why I think both of us read lots of this kind of a book yeah so the book is peak secrets from the new science of expertise uh, uh, by uh, Anders uh, Ericsson mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, the book is about expertise, about how to become an expert or how to become become better, which, um, you know, to both of us, uh, that you know, uh, when you know us, you know that we want to be better. We want to improve a lot uh, every year, um, uh, each time, and we want to make things better. Um, this is also why we record this podcast. So this book um, has, again, this mix of very good ideas of how to how to improve substantially, um, but then again, it also explains that there are no sh- there are no real shortcuts. I mean, you have to do the work, uh, but uh, but yeah, there's more to that. Yeah. So the the most important concept of the book, the the idea, the phrase that stuck in in our mind is deliberate practice, uh, and I think we've heard about it before. In uh, I think it was referenced in, in Deep Work and certainly yep. in um, So Good They Can't Ignore You. But I, I think we should start with the the base the basis for for this idea, like how, like what's wrong with the way people tend to learn um, and yeah. accumulate expertise? Yeah, um, and and the book referenced uh, Malcolm Gladwell's um, uh, concept of ten thousand hours. Uh, I mean, he popularized the concept of ten thousand hours that you have to uh, do something ten thousand hours to become an expert, mm-hmm. which which it, it, it does transmit this idea that you have to work a lot to become an expert, which is true. But on the other hand, um, if you just repeat something 10,000 hours, <laughs> that doesn't mean you're, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be an expert. There's, there's more to that. It's, um, for, me, for me, as a triathlete, uh, the best example is swimming. Uh, just going and doing the laps 10,000 times <laughs> or more doesn't you know, make you a better swimmer. You have to <laughs> learn the technique. And here is the nuance of deliberate practice. Yeah, so the mistake a lot of people make is thinking that just doing something for example, as your job, is enough to make you keep improving. And that's not necessarily true. Sometimes it's true, but expertise and, and, and skill doesn't grow automatically. It's not necessarily true that someone with 20 years of experience is going to be better than someone with five years of experience. Uh, in fact, uh, research suggests that in in many cases in many fields uh, people with more years of experience tend to be worse not better because our memory deteriorates uh, our skills become outdated and skills don't don't always don't automatically get better with with practice or or with um, just applying the the skill the the act of uh, of of true practice is usually different from applying the, the, the practice the way we normally do in our work, for example. I mean, yes, you do, uh, like in the very beginning, when you start a new thing, endeavor, you do become better the more you do it. That's for sure, because this is a new thing, you're, you're learning this, right? But then at some point, there is this uh, moment where you stop improving, where you just hit a, a point where it's it just same old, same old, uh, most of the time. And 
unless you change something, unless you, you start practicing deliberately, which we'll get to, get to uh, you will not improve. Or, as you said, uh, you will um, actually be worse. And for me, this was a wake-up call when I was reading this book, uh, that there is, a, there is um, data indicating that uh, that people with more ex- more experience can can be worse. Yeah, I I didn't assume that. I didn't think that. Yeah, and and here's another core thing that I guess we we should have prefaced with uh, the the thesis that's that's very important in this book is that um, you should forget about the so-called talent, like natural talent. Uh, skills are not innate; they're developed and they're developed through practice, lots of practice, and th- there is this notion of of, uh, of talent in our in our culture that's greatly overrated. There might be some component to it, and certainly in in some areas, like for example, if you want to be an athlete, your genes definitely <laughs> determine a lot of what you can or are likely to do. Uh, but with everything else, there's very little of it. It's mostly uh, you know, very small initial differences in skill that are amplified because, you know, also through, through this culture, like if you assume that talent is a real thing, then, you know, as a child or as a young person, student, if you display that you might be good at something, you'll be told, hey, you have a talent in this and you'll be encouraged to keep developing that talent, which is to say practice. And if you make it seem like you're not good at it, you'll be told, well, you have no talent and you should just find something else. And so you'll never put in the time and you'll never actually become good. Yeah, um, the, the book uh, had this story of, of um, perfect pitch. How to, mm. and, and, and for me, this was also eye-opening that you can develop a perfect pitch. Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, I, 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 I also assumed, as everyone else, that you know, perfect pitch comes you know, with, with genes. Um, and, uh, and also the book stri- struck a nerve because I remember vividly Vividly, and the book had this same story. Um, uh, I remember vividly uh, at one point uh, when I was in primary school, uh, my mom wanted me to to, to learn p- to play piano, mm-hmm. and I went to this you know piano teacher, and she asked me to play something. I mean, she played something, and she asked me to repeat it, and I didn't know actually how, how piano works. It worked, so I, I didn't know how to repeat that. So mm. I tried something, but I didn't know how to repeat that. And she said authoritatively she said you know from you know as a, as a teacher music teacher she said no i'm sorry michael you have um, no hearing i mean you have no hearing for 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 music sorry <laughs> for that i mean there's no way for you to learn to piano to to play piano and that was that yeah. i i never got to learn to to play piano because of that i i, I assumed i i'm deaf i i assumed i assumed i was deaf uh, for for music and they have no talent uh, for music which is interesting because um, later I signed up for for ballroom dancing classes and I was one of the best in the group for ballroom mm. dancing. So um, it's strange to be good in ballroom dancing when you actually have to listen to music to you know perform the steps when one is deaf. So I don't think I'm deaf. I think I could have learned to play the piano, but because there's this teacher that she told me yeah. with all the you know authority that there is no way for me to learn it and I'm deaf, um, I assumed it was true. 
Yeah, I can think of similar experiences uh, at school. Like with anything athletic, for example, uh, in primary school, I was terrible at any of it. Uh, and I'm sure genes uh, could have played some role, but I can say now that, hey, you know, I go for 10K runs, it's, it's fine, right? I, 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 I hit the gym, it's fine. Like, I, I can't see that, it, that there would be a real connection, but it's just the small initial difference that could be just the fact that, uh, for example, I, I, I didn't have siblings of the same age to like, I don't know, play ball or whatever as a child. I've never developed the super basic skills and then that got amplified through, uh, through primary school and then through uh, middle school where I would be kind of more cut off from, from people who are better at it, at you know, playing any sport we would play. And that only you know, started to reverse in, in high school where I had a better uh, environment in which to learn. Yeah, I mean, speaking of sports, so the the author does make a point. For, for example, that um, I am I am f- five four, um, so I am pretty uh, short. Uh, so it's uh, one sixty eight, you know, meters. So uh, not really a, a tall guy. So I, 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 you know, I assume I wouldn't be. Um, they wouldn't, you know, let me. To play in the NBA but then again I did play basketball and do play basketball I love playing basketball and of course I won't be pro but uh, I still develop lots of skills to, to shoot hoops and, and, and things like that uh, but if you look in the NBA there are people of my height that did play in the NBA and defied this law of, of, of uh, you know but they had to just work harder they had to just uh, practice more to, to prove that they can play despite their um, uh, physical uh, possibilities so speaking of, of talents the book said that we should think of only one talent uh, the one we all have the talent of malleability of our brains right and we should leverage that we should think in terms of how we learn, how our, how our brains assimilate information and use that as a basis to how we practice. And that's the best way to learn. Yeah. And, and we've heard that in, in other books that our brain uh, is capable of, of, of changing even at, at late age, even, even if you're old, you can still modify your brain. It's, it's amazing how this works. And, um, yeah. That's why uh, and there was a good example of, of a person who developed a perfect pitch at a very late age, like, you know, late age, like 30s, not, <laughs> not you know, in the, you know, in you childhood, know, in a childhood. So, so our brain is really <laughs> has this capability of, to, be, to be modified, to, to, to change, to rewire itself. It, it, this is amazing. And, and that's why, uh, again, the, 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 the deliberate practice uh, indicates that if you put your mind to it and do deliberate practice, which we'll eventually <laughs> explain, you can be really good or even really one of the best if you want to. Yeah, that's another mistake um, people make. For a long time, scientists used to think that our, our brains are you know, pretty much fixed at a certain point uh, you know, in childhood and that you reach in childhood a certain level of intelligence and and then that's fixed that's that's what you get but that turned out not to be true 
uh, it's just not. The human brain is is most malleable in childhood for sure, and there are some things that can only uh, happen or will most easily happen um, as a child, and 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 those those you can see those are obvious, but it's just it's just not true that our intelligence or our our you know brain cap- capabilities are are fixed in adulthood. They're they're not. Our brains continue to be. Uh, very malleable, very adaptable. If you if you try, yeah. I was um, this, after I read the book. I was discussing this book with my wife, and uh, I told her that uh, the book is trying to explain that the whole thing about talent is is overrated, and and she immediately pushed back because she said, "No, I mean, you know, it's it's common knowledge. Everybody knows that you know talent, you know, is, causes people to do something, and it's." Uh, and uh, but then I, I pushed back uh, as well, saying you know it, it depends what the child wants to do. Of course, there is some dose of talent, and and I really like the example of chess players uh, in the book. That people who are more intelligent, they have better IQs, become better chess players faster uh, than people who are less smart. But at some point, the chess playing chess is not only about IQ, but about practicing certain moves and, and certain things, yeah. then at some point the IQ stops helping anymore because it's not about that. Yeah. In fact, in, in some groups, um, and, and that didn't have a very high statistical significance, but but in some groups they, they've seen that at a certain level, actually the more intelligent kids would, be, would become a bit worse at chess because uh, those less intelligent kids, they had to learn to practice in a disciplined way. They had to learn to practice more. And after this initial stage where it's like, um, you know, a very much like intellectual game, when you when you go past this point and it starts to be mostly about recognizing patterns, uh, the kids who practice the most would be the best. And those, those, those kids that didn't have a head start already... Um, you know, we're forced to learn this skill that's more important in the long term, which is to practice. Now, maybe let's start explaining what deliberate practice means. And it has also uh, a lot to do with the feedback loop- loops that we, we discussed in previous episodes of, right. of this podcast, right? That's right. Okay, so so for me, the, like the ba- basic premise of, of deliberate practice is this, that each session is different. Each session is based on the feedback that you got from the last one. Each uh, like that you are trying to learn something um, deliberately uh, and not just uh, repeating some some same thing. But of course, it's more than that. Okay, so let's let's start to un- unpack that because the, there's a bunch of little things to it. All right. So first thing is practice is most effective when you. When it always keeps you just slightly beyond the edge of your current ability, you know what I mean. Like if you if you stay inside your comfort zone in whatever you're practicing, then you have nothing to improve, right? If you go like way too much outside of your current ability, then it's very difficult uh, to improve. It's best if you always keep your um, taste, uh, so to speak, just in front of your, just above uh, your ability. And that that makes you uh, like always improve at a steady pace. Yeah, but um, so there's one thing. So get, trying to get out of your comfort zone, but not too much, just by a little bit, 
just by mm-hmm. sl- slightly uh, to just you know keep pushing yourself and keep getting better. That's why many people get better when they when they run with somebody, for example, because when they run with somebody who's better than them, this person is pushing them. This is how I started running faster because I had a very good running partner. But it's more than that. You know, for me, the feedback loop is really important. So, for example, you want to focus on on some small thing and make it better than the last time. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you're uh, swimming, again, it's a good example. Uh, just you know, focus on the hand and just putting the hand in the, in the right way, and just focus on that. Uh, make this better. So focus on the technique and make make a slight improvement there. Try to uh, focus on this on this and try to be better than the last time. And this would be like the first step. Yeah. So uh, instead of trying to, you know, just holistically uh, practice like vaguely. Uh, focus on the very specific like sub skills and and improve on those step by step uh, when always like keeping what you're trying to accomplish just outside of your uh, capabilities and and that seems to work best yeah uh, I mean just the, giving the example of swimming I did participate in some swimming classes and usually how they train you is with brute force just do laps just you know just try harder just try stronger just try more and and you know this is not <laughs> i mean this gives some improvement and deliver develop develop some kind of muscles but it's not the way to go yeah and uh, let me ex- expand on 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 feedback because that's that's key that's a simple thing to say but 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 it's really uh important there is a good example with radiologists uh, you know, doctors reviewing X-ray pictures, right, and 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 trying to to see if there's a tumor. Now, here's the problem: it's the kind of skill where you improve fast at the beginning, as someone more experienced than you shows you how to recognize certain patterns that look like tumors. But then you stop learning because how are you supposed to learn, right? There, there's you you don't know if your diagnosis was right or wrong. So what um, a research group did and what seems obvious in retrospect but just wasn't done before is they collected a large library of x-rays from past patients in the past uh, where it was already known uh, was the outcome. Uh, was there a tumor or was there not, right? And, and, and this way... You can practice with a computer program, and you see a, you see an X-ray, and you see is there a tumor, or you know is it worth checking? Is there a tumor, or or not, right? And 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 this way, you get a very tight feedback loop because if you do it right, you already see the pattern recognition in your brain. You see, okay, that that was a good match. And when you make, make, made a mistake, you can look at it more closely until you start to see new patterns, more, more detailed. When you create more detailed mental representations, we'll get to it, uh, of, of how, to, how you recognize tumors on, on x-rays, right? So this can be very difficult to apply to all skills. Uh, that's why a little bit of practice works most efficiently with the kind of skill you can measure objectively in some way and you can't do that with everything at least not very well but if you can create some sort of feedback loop even if it's only partial or subjective like if you have a tight feedback loop if you do something and you get 
uh, some sort of information how well you did, you can really quickly learn because you can change your you know brain circuits uh, to optimize towards the the data you receive. And if you don't have any feedback loop, then you're walking in the dark. You you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So um, I started some deliberate practice sessions before reading the book Peak, which was great uh, because when, once I read the book, I was like, whoa, so I'm doing something right. Um, with my swimming again, uh, what I did was record my swimming sessions, not the entire session, but just a few laps. So I would just put a, a dummy, you know, waterproof camera inside the swimming pool and record myself swimming. And this way I could see what I was doing wrong. And uh, uh, I could see exactly that that I saw on the video how this style is being performed, how, how, the, how a proficient person is doing and that how they're, they put their hand. And then I see myself in my video that I don't do this. I, I think I do. I think I, because this is also a, a very important, very often we deceive ourselves. We think we are doing something right and while we're not doing this right, it just feels right from our point of view. And with swimming, it was the same with me. I was thinking that I was putting my hands where I was putting it, but it was not true. So recording my session, I could see it right there. So next swimming session, I was focusing on this hand and trying to improve the hand, knowing what I did wrong the last time. Yep. So uh, l- let's try to um, recap some of, some of those things. First of all, forget about talent. Uh, it's all about practice. Uh, it takes a lot of time. There's this famous 10,000 hour rule. Uh, it's not a rule. Obviously, it depends on how you do it. It depends on the field. But the point is, it takes a lot of time and it takes actual practice and not just doing. So um, you you can't spend 10,000 hours doing a job and expect you always uh, be better or for example, there, there was lots of examples with chess because chess is easy to to study. It, it's very objective in many ways, right? And in chess, the thing that determines how good a player is going to be is not how much time he or she spent playing, but how much time they spent watching grandmasters play. So studying the patterns, okay? So it takes actual practice, the right kind of practice. Uh, practice just beyond the edge of your current ability. Build feedback loops. It's very important. And you know, focus on on small aspects of the skill one by one, uh, taking small steps, really focusing on imp- on improving in the most objective way you can about improving that thing and building this you know brick by brick, building the the skill and not just trying to improve by doing the whole thing in general. Yeah, and another component which is really important and uh, it's been highlighted in other books like Deep Work and other ones we, we, we already discussed in this show is it takes solo practice to become very good. That's right. It's not, it's not about just uh, joining a team and joining a group, which is fun and which is you know, socially great. I just mentioned uh, a few minutes before uh, how, I, how I had a running buddy uh, that I was running with, which is great, which is fun. But the solo practice is where you put yourself, at, at, as we said, at the edge of your ability, where you start focusing on yourself. You're fo- focusing on your skill set, on your skills. And this is why, uh, again, coming back to my swimming, I, I didn't sign up anymore to like, like a group 
session uh, to learn swim. I uh, am doing it alone. I'm, I'm doing solo practice because I know that it's all about the skills and I will not be able to develop skills just doing the laps with the group, which will be fun, but not fruitful. Okay, uh, next part. Now, this is difficult to explain. It, it, it took me some time until I fully internalized what this means, but this is so important. Um, the book spent a lot of time discussing the concept of mental representations or mental models. Uh, and, and to me, that's, you know, when I started thinking um, very explicitly about mental models as I'm learning or also applying a skill and, and try to, you know, almost visualize uh, the, the process of, of, of learning, uh, I think I got a lot better at learning. Yeah, and for me as well. And it's, again, coming back to swimming, I watched lots of, and I keep watching lots of videos on YouTube with this you know, style. And also I bought some DVDs about it to, to, to see how the best are performing this style that I want, to, I want to learn. So to have this mental vision, how this should be performed, how mm-hmm. uh, how like how the hands should go in, how the you know how the um, uh, legs should kick, you know how this should see uh, how how I should you know be doing things in the water, and then try to match that you know with my <laughs> skills. So try try to learn that, and um, I think it's really important that we, we should. Uh, see this ideal or this you know this this you know this mental representation this how this should be done mm-hmm. and try to bit by bit build our skill sets to be able to perform something like that yeah so <laughs> the reason why it's difficult to explain uh, mental models is because well you just need to develop a mental model of what mental models are and yeah. that's not a very useful explanation so uh, i think one that was pretty good to start uh, in the book was the one with a dog. So you and I know what dogs are. Uh, we just know we've uh, we've met plenty of dogs in our lives. I've had a dog. I don't know if you did. Yeah. It's just like when I think of a dog, like I know what a dog is, right? But say you've never seen a dog in your life, and I try to explain it to you, right? And I would, I would say, um, well, it's an animal, it's small, it's four-legged, uh, tends to be furry, um, wags its tail, usually. It's the man's best friend. Like, if I, if I gave you the characteristics of a dog, try to uh, list them, that, that wouldn't be very useful, that wouldn't be enough. You you'd still wouldn't have a good picture, you wouldn't have a good mental representation of what a dog is, right? You, you need to um, uh, kind of experience a dog and like connect these little bits and pieces of what a dog is in your mind to create a, a mental model, a, an, an idea, like the, the way this, this information about what a dog is is structured in, in our brain. And that would be a mental model, right? And, and those, you know, we have those for... for anything we do like we our brains can hold more than three or four things at the same time uh like three or four thoughts right so so you know just as uh i do as a programmer in in the code our, our brains build this higher and higher level structures to represent ideas and notions and, and and kind of procedures like how you do things and you build them kind of step by step 
And I guess a, another way to um, to explain that there was an explanation of the difference in how novices and experts write. So the way novices write is you just write down thoughts as they come to your mind about a topic, right? But that, that's not how experts write. Uh, the way experts write is you, you, you start like creating a structure of what you're trying to explain um, on paper or, or in your mind. And as you're writing, uh, you start seeing flaws in the way you're trying to explain it, right? You, so you refine this structure. And, and through that, you learn more yourself. You, you create a, a better mental model of the thing you're trying to, to explain, right? Not a jumbled mess of, of ideas, but something that, that makes sense, something that, that has structure. So through this, you know, such a process of writing, uh, you strengthen and, and create better mental uh, representations. Yeah, and the thing is that... Uh, the more I, uh, uh, in my case, the more I, I'm, I'm preparing myself for, for some speeches or some webinars or whatever I have to perform, you know, something to say something, the, 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 what I start with, uh, like before, I would just start creating a presentation, uh, just right from the keynote, for example. Yeah. But now what I do is create a mental model of, the, of what I want to say. So I try to I create a mind, mind map, which in my, case really, in my case really helps. And from this mind map, I get an outline and from there... I do a presentation. So uh, this is, for example, how I develop my like mental model of what I want to say uh, before I say it or before I create a presentation for that. Yeah, uh, I, I guess to me, um, being a, a, a programmer, um, that was quite quite easy to see how uh, when you start learning to, to program, that there are these basic notions like oh, a variable, um, a function, right? Uh, operators, whatnot. You kind of rebuild in your mind the the thing that that you're actually using in code, and then uh, as you go further, you see higher level uh, abstractions in code, and so you build higher level mental models of it in your brain, and that kind of happens naturally. But to me, in learning programming skills in particular, uh, I found I found it tremendously useful to to be explicit as explicit as I can be about these mental models so when I'm learning a, pr- a new programming concept for example I don't just try to um, go do all the other things you know practice this small subset and like repeat and have feedback until I kind of see how it is done uh, I try to almost visualize in in my mind like a shape let's just say of, of this concept like what how it connects to other ideas how how does it you know how does it connect different pieces to 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 create this this abstraction right uh i i try to have like um an explicit mental model like a a, a visualization of the programming concept uh in my mind and and i find it to be tremendously useful because like you can you can kind of draw your your thoughts out and it's easier to connect all the pieces at a very high abstraction level uh, if you can do that, and and not just do it, you know, automatically. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that's good. I mean, that that's good. But let's just like, I, I want to wrap this up because you know we we can talk about it a lot more because there were really lots of good examples in the book. 
about how deliberate practice works. Uh, there were some good tips that you should get a coach, somebody who knows something better. And then maybe uh, like when you get you know to a certain level, you should get another coach because that, that can take you to a different level. And why coach? Because the coach can see and give you feedback on what you do, things like that. And I love that. And But the, the, for me, the most important thing about the book was that now, if I want to learn something new, if I want to uh, improve something uh, and improve also things in my business, things in Nosby, things in you know, the way we work, uh, I want to do it more deliberately. I want to you know, plan a way to do more deliberate practice, to, to, to have um, maybe some expert helping me somewhere, uh, you know, uh, get a training somewhere there, not just dive in and, and go with the flow, but mm. really, um, if there is a concept for me to crack, I want to do it deliberately, want to do it differently, want to plan more for it and start building my mental model, start uh, getting my feedback loops and, and, and knowing how I get, I'm going to get my feedback. And as you said, each time trying to be, uh, like if I do something, each time trying to be a little bit ahead of my, from my comfort zone, a little bit, uh, you know, stretching uh, my abilities. And I haven't, like, what I've noticed is that before I wasn't, you know, giving that much attention to it, but mm. but but this time it started with my swimming training, which 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 is actually what what I do now with this deliberate practice, uh, and we'll talk more about it later. But 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 it but now after reading this book, I want to you know move this concept way ahead for different different areas of my life, and and uh, of course in the in these areas of my life where I really want to be better. Because in some areas of my life, I might just want to just, you know, go with the flow and just be fine and just do, just enjoy the process and enjoy the journey without, you know, improving. And it's also fine. But in mm-hmm. many areas of my life, I want to be better. And that's why I want to, you know, plan it better. And I want to, you know, do it deliberately. Uh, I completely agree. I have the same feeling. And honestly, I, I think if you if you care about learning and learning better and building any level of expertise at anything you should really uh read peak uh, it's i find it difficult to explain a lot of of the things in it so maybe i just didn't build good enough mental models of the ideas in the book uh but it, it's it, it's it's really good if you get the whole picture as presented by the book and not just the two of us like in, in the future we want to uh show you in the future episodes how We've put it into practice. How we've absolutely de- de- yeah. developed these uh, uh, deliberate practice sessions of different things in our lives, uh, and th- that's why um, I want to just you know share this ex- excitement that you know after reading this book and after trying some of this stuff, I just want this year, this 2017, to be different because I'm going to design it differently and I'm going to you know work on stuff in a different way, in a more deliberate way. And that's why, you know, I want to encourage you to, to read the book and, and also try to do the same thing. Try to just uh, like, just do it better. 